listening to the No Life Skills Podcast with your host, Ashlyn. My advice for other sex workers, don't do what I did. Giving you an inside look at the fascinating world of sex work. Yeah, a little bit awkward, but uh, informational, I guess. Connect with other professionals and allies of the industry. I was like, wow, this is easy money. Now, join the conversation while we share inspiring stories on the No Life Skills Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of No Life Skills. I'm Ashlyn. Thanks for tuning in this week. This week, my friend Lula Blue joins me again. She was on the podcast last week. So if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely give it a listen first. Last week, Lula opened up about her struggles with addiction and what it's like to be a sex worker now in recovery. It was a really good episode. And this week, Lula talks about coming out as a sex worker to her family, what that was like. We also discuss her being in a relationship, an openly gay relationship, actually, and working with her partner. We also talk about how her business has been affected by the pandemic over this past year and online content creation. And at the end of the episode, we discuss her sex worker support group, which she runs, which is called Thrive. So lots of good stuff in this episode. Make sure you listen to the end. And I hope you enjoy the interview. You're very open. You're very outspoken on Twitter. Seems like everywhere in rehab. Um, You got a lot to say. You're a big sex work advocate. I love that. So I'm assuming that the people close to you know about your work. And I want to know what do they think about it. And I think I saw on Twitter that your mom knows and is very supportive. And I would love to hear more about that, too. Yeah, it didn't start off that way. I originally, my roommate didn't know. um, Because one, I was a little bit concerned that I would hate it and then leave. And then I didn't want to talk about that with anybody. Like, if it was awful. Yeah. And then also, I knew that she would be really anxious about my safety and my security. Like, just you know, my mental well-being and everything. So I just didn't want to put her through that. Um, so I didn't tell her until I think I was working for about a month before I told her. And then when I told her and explained it to her, her immediate reaction was like, are you safe? And I was like, yeah. And then once she got up to that part, she was like, yeah, I mean, duh. <laughs> so was her reaction not what you expected? <laughs> no, I really didn't expect her to be like that enthusiastic about it. She's like, you'd be so good at that. Like, that sounds <laughs> Like you're so open, you're so like free and just like, yeah. Like she was just like, that sounds like the perfect job for you. That's what <laughs> I was like, fuck, oh. like, okay, great. I love that. Yeah. What about your other friends? That gave me like inflated confidence. And I told <laughs> everyone, like I told everyone. Yes, you did. Like I'd go to the bar and tell people I was a hooker. Oh, I like, love doing that. <laughs> they never believe me. They think I'm joking. And then you'd get tell them you show them your ads. And they're like, do you want to book me? And they're just like, no. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, One guy was like, but you're so nice and so pretty. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. That's how we make money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so fun. I love that. Yeah. So yeah, I would do stuff like that. And then eventually, I started realizing that there were certain people that it wasn't safe to tell that you're sex. Like who to. would you say? Cab drivers. I would yeah. Say. Yeah. Sometimes Uber drivers, yeah. police. Um, yeah. Not always. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be generalizing here, but like. Yeah, no, I get it, though. Strange men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, it, it can it can be a little scary sometimes. So be careful. I, again, like common sense is not all that common, but like, you know, trust your gut around certain people and try to feel it out and see kind of. Yeah. Be careful about who you talk to. Yeah. And also like. What was I going to say? Oh, 
also, just because I'm very open and honest about being a sex worker doesn't mean that other people feel that way. (laughs) And when someone opens up to me and tells me that they had been a sex worker in some capacity, like maybe not full service work, but in some capacity, they had done sex work to like relate to me. Mm. And I'm really excited about it. And I'm just like, I made this new friend. This is amazing. And then I go and tell everybody (laughs) what the person's history is. That's a big no-no. Don't out people. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. That's, I mean, it's an accident. You had, you didn't have bad intentions. <laughs> I didn't have boundaries or I didn't have boundaries. Yes. I have boundaries now. Yes. So boundaries are something that takes time. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so boundaries are learned. Yeah, they're learned. And yeah, boundaries are really hard sometimes too. Like, <laughs> and so when you were going to your meetings and like smart recovery and all that, were you, did you speak oh, about sex work in those meetings as well? I avoided it in the co-ed meetings mm-hmm. when there were like men there. Um, just cause like you don't, like it's anonymous, right? Like you don't yeah. know anything in those. Meetings. I didn't know if like they were clients of mine. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, you would hope that you would recognize their face, I guess, but well, sometimes <laughs> we don't. <laughs> Sometimes you don't. And then also, like, you don't know if they've seen you on Leo list or something like that. So anyway, be careful. I did bring it up in women meetings, like women only meetings. And when I whenever that happened, I did have like quite a few people that either would would also share in the meeting that they had done sex work or were involved with sex work as well. Or they would come up to me afterwards and tell me and, and that was really nice. And that was great. Um, there was one time that I did share with my entire home group that I did sex work when I did my like my story meeting basically Ooh. and um i was so nervous for that meeting because i had never done like a big public speaking thing like that before it was like in front of so many people and it was like literally like 20 minutes of me just talking about myself which now i love <laughs> um but then it was terrifying and so scary so it went horribly i basically what? just like blundered the whole story and it probably just sounded like i was just like hey i'm a hooker and i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> like it's just like awkward is but that the feedback you got from people there that it was horrible and awkward no <laughs> exactly i did get a lot of people come up to me afterwards and they were like thank you for sharing that like it's very you know valid but the problem was i got a lot of men that came up to me after the meeting uh. and my hand and were like oh thank you so much for sharing oh, that yeah you're welcome john hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so your family knows like your mom i think knows is oh, that yeah, correct sorry. So, I gotta hear um, about this. Can she adopt me? Is my other question. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> she's already off. Okay, yeah, I'll get into that. But oh. yes, yeah, so originally when I got into sex work, I told all my my siblings. I have three siblings. Wow. I'm very close with my siblings, so I told them. Um, they were they were kind of like, yeah, no shit. Uh, <laughs> wow, this really is perfect then, for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, my my older sister, like everybody who knows me on Twitter, knows that my older sister is also a sex worker. Is um, she? Crimson, yeah, Crimson Day. Uh, she oh. works in Korea. So yeah. So she was cool. I, I got into the industry first, um, but she was like so jealous. She was in a monogamous relationship at the time that she really wanted to get out of and wanted to get into the business. And wow. <laughs> Look at you pimping out your siblings. Hmm. Oh yeah. I gotta keep it in the fam. You know what I mean? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Anyways, I always make these jokes and then I get people requesting us for duos. And I'm like, you're sick. How dare you? But I, Boundaries. I, I do I do uh, yeah (laughs) I love it I think it's hilarious (laughs) yeah I like joking about it but uh anyway so my siblings all knew and I had to keep it a secret from my parents I didn't have to I did keep it a secret from my parents for three years and then after I got sober I went through treatment and did all my work on myself and was realizing that like 
one of the biggest things that I personally value and like values are different for everybody. So not one person's values are going to reflect in another person. And I think that that kind of goes along with sex work where a lot of people value sexuality in a way that it's like, you know, you shouldn't just be giving it out to everybody. Um, and that's their value and that's fine, but mm. that's for me, not. <laughs> yeah. But for me, something that I really, really value is honesty and living authentically. Mm-hmm. So not being out to my parents who I adore my parents. I'm very close with them. I have a really good relationship with them. My relationship was like, deteriorating because I couldn't talk about something that was so prevalent in my life and something that I was so passionate about and something that I was so proud of. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't share that with them. And that sucked. Um, Yeah. I resonate with that. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, like, again, like I have immense privilege, even being able to consider talking to my parents about something like that. Like that is not an option for so many people. And I know that like hearing me talk about this really positive experience I had with my parents is going to be like really hard for some people to hear because they might not ever be able to have that. And, and that really sucks. And I feel bad for people that have to deal with that. But yeah, like I ended up telling my parents, I think I got out of treatment and then I went to go visit Nanaimo for the summer and was staying with them. And I decided that that's when I was going to tell them I had talked about it with my psychologist. I talked about it in my therapy. We figured it all out. We had a plan. Like everybody was helping me like get through this. And something that my psychologist said to me that really resonated with me was that he, he, at first he asked, why are you telling them? And he also asked, like, are you looking for their acceptance? And I had to think about that for a bit, because I think oftentimes a lot of us are looking for our parents' acceptance and we're looking for them to validate our feelings and be proud of us. And Mm -hmm. he said that might not happen Mm -hmm. and they might not be okay with it. They might react really poorly and they might disown you and you need to accept that and be okay with, you know, if the worst case scenario happens, what is going to happen? So I had it planned out. I had enough money saved up that like, if something bad happened, I could buy a plane ticket home and come home early. So I was like really planning. Um, I, I didn't think that my parents were going to disown me. I think that like, again, I had a really close relationship with them. I kind of figured that they would be concerned about it, but not like, you know, completely cut me out of their lives. Um, mm-hmm. I figured that they'd be angry though. Mm. So when I told them and my mom basically was just in shock. Um, <laughs> so I don't think that like she reacted fully. She was very good at like being really nice about it and like asking me a lot of questions and just being as respectful as she possibly could. It was very shocking to her. Did you tell your parents together? Like, are they together? Did you tell them at the same time? My parents are together. Okay. My dad went to bed early and I tried okay. to keep him and he refused. Okay. So then I was like, you know what, fucker? Fine. I was going to tell you something important. So I'm going to tell mom first. Okay. That's fine. I can, I can picture the scenario now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I told her, we stayed up all night talking about it and crying and hugging and it was really nice. And then the next day uh, I came into the room and I was like, dad, you missed out last night. And he was just like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, I told mom about something that now you don't know. It's a big secret. And he's just like, what the fuck? Tell me. Anyway, she's in the room with us when I'm telling him. Uh-huh. And so I, I told him the whole spiel all over again and explained everything. And this motherfucker, I'm pretty sure either one, he knew <laughs> or he had the best poker face of anybody on this planet because he did not react at all. Like what? he was nodding his head like, hmm, yes, okay, hmm. 
interesting. Like, asking me questions about it. Like, are you safe? Blah, blah, blah. Does this person, that person know? Like, just like, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, he reacted so well. And like, wow. But I'm thinking that he was probably screaming on the inside because, you know, my dad is a man that grew up in the 80s and he's got some misogynistic uh, viewpoints that are pretty drilled in there. He's working on it. Yeah, he's getting better. Good. But like, you know, it's that whole thing of like, my daughter, like, yeah, you know, like no man could like possibly paint my beautiful, innocent flower, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then also like my, I grew up religious and my parents Ooh. were very heavy cultish christian when i was growing up they're not anymore they're kind of hippies because they moved to the island but of course it's a prerequisite really mom if you're listening this is so sorry uh-huh. uh, <laughs> mom. yeah so like they have and especially my dad has very very instilled like hardcore christian values that i think were sort of influencing his i think just like my parents carried a lot of shame and guilt around me being in sex work they carried mm-hmm. a lot of game shame and guilt around me being an addict around like you mm-hmm. know relationships that I had been in before that and and just like a lot of stuff around my life um so I think that like again like when you have these like very very important values that you carry and then when somebody that you, you love and treasure isn't living in those same values it's really difficult and how could you not like see that as a reflection of yourself and I think a lot of parents sort of like see their children as like not separate entities they think of us as like parts of them yeah and so you know we're not seen as like our own individual people totally yeah when we do something that's like outside of their values they see it as like oh my god like what are you doing you know like my mom said to me like you make me feel like I failed as a mother or I failed my life is worthless and I'm you know like and that's her own shit like that is like deep seated stuff that she really needs to work through and I'm, I'm so sorry that like she puts that on you oh you should hear what my dad said it was even worse <laughs> i read i remember if it was your dad's letter or yeah. your brother's letter but i read my it dad. it was your dad yeah yeah i actually told my mom about that um, oh. i can't remember when you post was it last year it would have been in like november when i posted the all everything oh okay so it was a little while ago yeah. um i think i told my mom about that because i did share with her you know okay i'll get into that but basically (laughs) my mom went down a shame spiral for a few months yeah and she ended up like finding my twitter and kind of creeping my twitter which honestly like i know some people are probably cringing at that but that's probably the best case scenario because if you've seen my twitter especially like my quote-unquote personal twitter (laughs) account like it's very like wholesome it's very like I'm talking about my life i'm sharing my experiences i'm doing a lot of like retweeting for advocacy groups and stuff like that um, so that's probably like, the best place for her to go to. Learn. So she found she found the personal Twitter, not the work Twitter. She found both. Okay. I think she found my website also, okay. um, which is fine. I don't really have a lot of nudity online. And if I do, it's just my nipples. And I don't really. Everyone has true. nipples. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't bother me. So, yeah. So my mom did that and, and did a lot of research. And she was really struggling with it. Because when she would Google, my daughter's a sex worker, the first thing that comes mm. up is my daughter's being trafficked. Yes. My dad sent me articles like that. Yeah. And that's all that comes up for them. Oh. And it, that's so fucked. Cause yep. like when we look up, you know, experiences as a sex worker, 
we get a very different picture when you Google that usually. Yeah. And so, yeah, she was having a really difficult time with it because, you know, everything online is telling her the opposite of what I'm trying Well, she's probably confused, like sex trafficking versus sex work. Those are two very different things. And yeah. if all she's finding yeah. online is things about sex trafficking, yeah, that's horrifying and scary. <laughs> yeah. So she really struggled with that. My dad, my poor dad was just like, you need to stop Googling things. Like you need to get off your phone. You need to get off your like shut everything off. Like stop. <laughs> yeah. She was going down so many rabbit holes Aww. and really struggling with it. And I, I gave her some time and I told her, you know, like call me and ask me any questions that you want. I'm an open book. I will answer every, I, I want to be as upfront and honest about everything that I can be um, so that you guys can like feel a little bit easier about it. And I think it did help too, that I had been in the industry for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had already worked through all of my shame around being in sex work and around the stuff that had happened to me and mm-hmm. um, being in addiction in sex work and just like all of that. Like I already worked through that shit. So like yeah. when she's coming at me with her shame, I'm able to sort of like let her lean on me a little bit. Whereas I think mm-hmm. before earlier on, I, I didn't have the capacity to be able to do that. Totally. Uh, and I wouldn't have handled it well and I wouldn't have coped well. Yeah, no, that totally makes makes a lot of sense to me. Which really sucks because a lot of people get outed and then it's like, yeah, you don't have time. <laughs> it's like, then what? Oh, shit. Yeah, like it just kind of happens and you don't have a choice and yeah, it's awful. So yeah, after she sort of like kind of felt a little bit better about it and everything was good. My, my sister also had got started getting into sex work as well around the same time. She actually came to Calgary and I think saw her first clients at my in-call here. Um, so again, wow! Like, uh, <laughs> really, I didn't take, keep, really keeping it in the fam. <laughs> yeah, I love that. But anyway, so she, my sister, doesn't have the same type of. I hope she's okay with me saying this. She doesn't have the same type of relationship with my parents that I have, and and I mean at the time for sure. Um, so she wasn't really didn't want to talk about it with them. <laughs> like she's yeah. like she lives there and just like probably just like didn't want to have that conversation. And with she was her. still very new to the industry at this time, right? Yeah. Yeah, yes, exactly. So. But, you know, from my mom following me on Twitter and like seeing all my stuff, eventually she sees that, you know, my sister is also doing this and coming mm. to Calgary to work and, you know, we're Oops. going up to Edmonton to tour and all this kind of shit. So, yeah, I kind of outed her a little bit, which I felt bad about. But I mean, uh, that's happened. Yeah. Um, and then in January last year, me and my sister wanted to come up to Edmonton to do a little mini tour. And I had posted on my Instagram a photo of us getting ready to leave. And my mom commented. <laughs> no. <laughs> and he's like, okay, have fun, girls. Be safe. Like, I love you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I want to cry. <laughs> I'm glad that I had my notifications on because as soon as that notification popped up, I deleted it immediately and blocked her. And I was like, mom, <laughs> never do that again. Oh. Like, what the fuck is your problem? That's so like, cute, though. No, adorable. So cute. And then like now when I go to I I mean this only happened once, but when I went back to the island in September and me and my sister were going up to Victoria to work at the agency that she works at, mm-hmm. like throwing my luggage in her car. I'm like staying at my parents' house and my mom comes out with her little coffee and she's like watching us pack the car and I'm like leaving my dog with her and she's like, Okay, bye girls. My sister is just like, Oh my god, look at so funny. Oh my yeah, god. I but yeah, I, I ended up like telling my parents about how many friends of mine or people that I follow on Twitter have had negative experiences with either being outed or coming out to their parents and being disowned or having people like everything blow up in their face. And I I told her a little bit about your story as well. 
And yeah, she was devastated by that. And she was just like, oh my God, like, I just want to give all of them a big hug. And like, how could parents do that? And really, yeah, she's like really passionate now about like wanting to help in some way and like advocate for sex workers and like talk to like she wants to talk to other people's parents and like oh my god i want to cry i'm gonna be friends with your mom because i go to the island to nanaimo i go to gabriella island all the time so um i'm totally gonna hit up your mom so hi mom if you're listening (laughs) (laughs) dude i'm gonna send her the link to this yes you have to oh my god that's so sweet yeah my mom's adorable and yeah i i i think i posted on twitter a while ago talking about her and then somebody was like oh my god i wish that she was my i mean she's probably she's all of our mom now she's all of our mom collectively. that was totally yeah. me i remember you saying that actually oh, okay. <laughs> totally oh that's so nice though well i'm oh yeah it's nice to hear that not everyone has such a shitty experience as i had and that people do come around but how long do you think it took her to like come around and be okay with it like did she ever stop talking to you or it it was just like an ongoing thing she never stopped talking to me, but she definitely took space from me. Um, I think it was too painful for her. And I think even now, like some of the stuff that comes up, like might be a little bit too painful for her. I might even like tell her not to listen to the first half of this podcast. Yeah, this will be the second part, part two. <laughs> yeah, it might, be, it might be really hard for her to hear. Um, so yeah, I think that there's some of that that still is there. And like I said, like, I only told them like three years into it. So like Mm -hmm. I've had all this time to process all this shit, but they have not. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it takes some time for her for sure. Yeah. Oh, wow. Still, still a nice story. And I'm going to be friends with your mom. Okay. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Wow. That was a very good story. Okay. So you've been open relatively recently, at least that I've noticed on Twitter about having a girlfriend. So do you identify as queer, lesbian, bi? Like how do you identify yourself? I feel like the lesbians are going to yell at me because I always say that I'm a lesbian and that I'm gay and I'm a homosexual. And I mean, that's not entirely accurate. I just really connect with that label a lot and I like it. Um, so I'm going to keep using it, but it's probably inappropriate for me to use it. What's, what's wrong with calling yourself a lesbian? Because I think I'm also probably bisexual, but like... <laughs> well, who cares? Who, who cares? It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody could. Um, you can identify I, as a whatever. I think the issue. I think the issue more so is that like a lot of the times lesbians get sort of casted in this stereotype that like oh no you're just bisexual like all women go through that phase. Oh. Like, you know, a lot of us are brought up to have boyfriends and to like have these like heterosexual relationships and sexuality and like all of that kind of stuff. And a lot of lesbians have relationships with men in their younger years and then come out later and they're like, no, I just like women. And people are like, well, are you sure? <laughs> what about your dick history? Like, Shut up. Mm. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Was that like your experience? Did you date men before or? Did. Yes. Okay. I dated men before. I was actually engaged. <laughs> wow. Quite, quite young. I was in a very abusive relationship with a terrible boy. And, wow. Um, yeah, but I think like now I, I I always identified as bisexual when I was a teenager and into my like early twenties, um, and I've always talked about that openly. Yeah, after that relationship ended, I was definitely like way more into girls and was really pursuing women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should say not girls. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <women>. <laughs> um, yeah, so I tried dating women, and and it was difficult only because like 
you're brought up to seduce men. Like you're brought up to like please the men's eyes and like make them happy oh, yeah. and, and do everything for men. So then when I'm like, no, I, I want to be gay now. <laughs> uh, I'm like, how though? <laughs> like, how do you talk to women? How do you get them to date you? How do you, <laughs> who makes the first move? Like Aww. who picks where we eat? Like, yeah. How- what? Like heteronormativity <laughs> is everywhere. Yeah, I can yeah, imagine that's and- very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it took it took a little while for me to like figure that out and and work through that. But you figured um, it but- out because you have a girlfriend now, right? Yes, I do. So how did you meet your partner? I met her on Hinge, actually. A dating oh, website. we love Hinge. That's awesome. And I was Tinder. I really hated it. <laughs> um, but I kept going back to it. it. I had a love-hate relationship with Tinder. It was You didn't brutal. get banned? Didn't get banned. What the hell? No. They only I banned me then. <laughs> yeah, that is so rude. Because I, I was open about being a sex worker. Like, I, I didn't put it on my profile or anything. And me I neither. Didn't, and I didn't... Um, I didn't say it to everyone, but I, I, I mean, I've listened to like other episodes of the podcast where you say that you didn't say it to everyone either. I don't yeah. know why you ridiculous. Like, I don't know if they just don't want me to find love. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Like <laughs> Tinder. Anyways. So, <laughs> yeah. Tinder's awful. Moral of the story. Yes. So I, I got on hinge. I paid extra so that I could have the little like parameters around. You could see. Um, or like limit your looking at people to people that like say the same things that you say for that like little bio thing. So it'll say mm-hmm. like, do you drink? Do you smoke weed? Do you do drugs? Mm-hmm. And for me, like if somebody identifies as like, yes, I drink. That is a no. <laughs> that's probably a hobby for them. So like, we're probably not going to get along super well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so for me, that was really important to have that. Um, so I paid extra for that function and was able to find people. I found a couple of people in recovery found a couple of people that like just don't drink and that's fine. Um, and my girlfriend, Bridget, when we first met, um, it said on her profile that she didn't drink and she does it for health reasons. Like she trains pretty hard in the gym. So ah. she has time <laughs> to be hung over yeah. uh, and it really affects her body. So she's just like, not really like, into it. Uh, we call those normies. Yeah. Normies. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'm I don't so happy for Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too. Uh, I'm happy for me as well. Uh, yeah, you as well. She oh. was like a needle in a haystack, like oh. that one. So, yeah, that was really cool. And then I also like in talking to her, she asked me what I did for a living, and I told her I'm a sex worker. Um, she didn't ask me immediately, which was like extra brownie points for Bridget. Like, didn't ask you immediately what you did for work. Yeah, I hate when people ask. Oh, that. it irks me too. Actually, yeah. Like, why? Like, why do you want to know? Are you trying to like compare yourself to me and try to figure out like what class I'm in? Or like, Ab- oh, absolutely, yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like totally. What else I'm would like it be for? Yeah, how much money do you make? Like, yeah. So I told her, and and she um, she actually admitted to me that she had an OnlyFans account. Ah. And because at the time, everybody and their mother was getting on OnlyFans, and she wasn't using it like too too much at the time, and wasn't making like a shit ton of money on it or anything, but you know, she was interested in it. She liked the idea of like getting involved in sex work yeah. and curious about it. So um, I'm sure like when she heard that that's what I do, she was just like probably had so many questions, but she restrained herself. And mm, okay. Okay. <laughs> it was very cool about it. Like it was awesome. Aww. So you, I would, it sounds like she's supportive of you being a sex worker. Extremely supportive. Yes. That's amazing. Most. And so she, does she also consider herself a sex worker because she does OnlyFans? Uh, I don't think she did at the time. 
consider herself a sex worker until I told her that she was one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm remembering this incorrectly, but I feel like that's what happened. Yeah. She obviously she considers herself a sex worker now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a sex worker now and is on Twitter and yeah. You know, you could book us both actually okay Um, (laughs) wow so she's like seeing clients with you now and stuff yeah yes and you guys film content together for your OnlyFans and stuff like that too I'm assuming so I took a long break from OnlyFans um it was like becoming too much for me Mm -hmm. uh during the pandemic like I I went really really hard when the pandemic first started and so it's great because I have lots of content on the page if you want to go subscribe to it there's lots to look through but I haven't been posting on there Mm -hmm. Uh, for quite a number of months now. Gotcha. Um, me and Bridget just today filmed um, some content, so I'll be editing that this weekend. Ah, very exciting. Um, yeah, we'll be doing more content and stuff like that together for sure. And then, yeah, she does full service sex work now as well. Does she do it independently of you, or do you? Does she only do duos with you? No, independently. Like okay. she one thing. Yeah, we we'll get booked duos together, obviously, because yeah. people are like, curious and stuff. Wow. But, uh, I think like guys really like hearing that it's going to be like an interactive thing like and we love it because like i get paid to have sex with uh, yeah dude like it's great <laughs> that's awesome so that's been going well and so we've booked a couple of those and that's been really fun cool um, yeah would you ever quit sex work if a partner was not okay with it no <laughs> ah, good answer <laughs> i love to ask people that question i love it <laughs> i wouldn't quit anything if a partner asked me, me neither to- girl me neither fuck them <laughs> oh my god like i had partners that asked me to quit drinking when i was still an active addiction like, fuck no no way no like if i want to quit sex work it'll be on my terms yes if i want to cut my hair it'll be on my terms if i want to you know like look a certain way that i'm doing it for me i'm not doing it for somebody else and it took me a little long to learn that, I think, and like have that as like a very, very firm boundary. But like that, yeah, hundred percent. Like I would never. Yeah, like, because to the right person, it's not going to matter. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So I was thinking about this earlier. So on Twitter, have you always been open about like being a lesbian, or did I just not notice? Like, <laughs> or was this a new thing? <laughs> I think like, I've been really thirsty on Twitter and like oh, okay. on other provider, but everyone does that, right? Because we yeah. all this together. Because the. Because the time that I notice is when you post the TikTok with the song, like, nobody, or ev- the lesbian TikTok, where it's like, nobody knows I'm a lesbian. <laughs> and I was like, oh no way. <laughs> I mean, I guess I've always identified publicly as bisexual. Cause, ah, like, okay. Like I, said, like, I feel like that probably pisses some people off when I say that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Whatever. Let them be pissed off. It's their own <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, true, true. So, yeah, I, I think I've always, I, like, I've always told clients that I'm bi okay. and that I love having sex with women and that I love women. And that's always, like, been really good for selling duos. Yeah, um, <laughs> for sure. Because, like, like, clients will be like, oh, like, who do you offer duos with? And I'll, I'll tell them, like, my friends that I offer duos with. But I'll be like, honestly, anyone. Like, anyone <laughs> that wants to have sex with me, yes. Like, I will do a duo with them. I love that. I love women. Like, Aww. hell yeah. Like, I don't care. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> and, like, Working with an agency, like an outcall agency, like you would get booked in a duo and like have no idea what you were walking into and just like be like, oh, hey, hi, what's up? And, like, you know, I'm like shaking hands with the girl while like I'm going down on this dude. Like it's, <laughs> it's just another day on the job. <laughs> yeah, another day at the office. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, duos are fun. They like definitely like those are always good sessions. And I think clients like hearing this is the thing that I struggle with sometimes, but I mean, I, that's all sex work, but it's kind of like monetizing like 
queerness, <laughs> queer baiting, if you will, a little bit. But is that really so wrong when I'm no. monetizing my straightness? <laughs> like, hey, this is the way I think about it. Like, people are going to sexualize my body and fetishize me as a woman anyways without my permission. Mm-hmm. People are going to fetishize me and sexualize me as a queer person regardless of what job I do, regardless of what I like, where I am, like, that's just gonna happen with like, even if I don't want it to. Mm -hmm. But if I can make money off of it, hell yeah, (laughs) and have fun doing so I'm gonna pick that like, that's, for me, that's what I yeah, it's just a win win. Yes, for me. Yeah, 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 for sure. So that's been funny. And I I get asked sometimes, like, they're like, Oh, like, are you guys actually dating? Or is that (laughs) Twitter? And I'm like, do you know me at all? Like, Yes, we're dating. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, that's so funny. Oh, man. So what was the reaction online when you started posting your partner? Really good. I think everybody yeah. was really excited about it. Um, obviously, like the clients loved it um, and like want to meet her and want to book duos and stuff like that. So that's been fun. I'm sure that there's probably a couple of clients that are bummed out um, that <laughs> haven't said anything. You know what I mean? Like they're just kind of like slowly backing away. Oh, yes. My, is- those questions are coming later. <laughs> <laughs> Just whatever. Like, I don't really care about that. Um, They weren't good clients anyways, if this scares them off. Well, I mean, they obviously didn't understand the boundaries of our arrangement. You know what I mean? Clearly. One, I'm polyamorous. So, like, there's never going to be monogamy with me anyways. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Definitely not with a client. You're breaking hearts right now. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be in a relationship with the client outside of sex work. Like, it's just not going to happen. Sorry, but <laughs> not sorry. <laughs> I mean, like, I love all of you guys, and like, you're all my babes, and you know, I have like many, many, many boyfriends, but yeah. that's just it. Like, you're all my boyfriends, and exactly gotta get over it. So, this is a this is what I was thinking about earlier. So, when you're seeing male clients, would you say that you're straight for pay? Because you know, sometimes <laughs> women in the biz, when we're doing duos we go gay for pay. So would you say right. you're straight for pay? I know you said you're bi, but you know. <laughs> I like saying that. I do like saying that. I, I love that. To say to people. <laughs> I do say quite often because like I, like I said, I have an OnlyFans account and I, I was going pretty hard on it uh, when the pandemic hit. Uh, I had the account before that and was posting content regularly on it before, but I went like really fucking hard when I had to take a break from sex work and um, or in-person work, I should say. And I had clients that were asking, like, where's the boy-girl porn? Like, I want to see <laughs> someone's dick. I want to see someone fuck you. Like, what's going on? Like, where is it? And, like, I'm like, what? Like, do you really think I'm going to have sex with a man on camera <laughs> as proof? Like, for people to see? Like, no. Also, oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> where am I going to find this man? T- like, uh, Tinder. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't. This is my thing, though, is that like I don't want some guy to like get the satisfaction of being able to like have sex with me on camera and like brag about it. You know what I mean? Like, no. Yeah. Fuck, <laughs> fuck you, man. Yeah. I'm the sex worker in this in this house. But you just have to tell them that you're using his dick like a piece of meat for the for camera to make money, and you're not going to give him any of the money. That's what I say to guys. Right. Right. Yeah, I guess I could do that. I'm like, I, I'm just using you. You're a prop. <laughs> inquiries for props are my only thing. This is a problem, too, because then I have clients that are like, their hands go up and they're like, I volunteer. I volunteer as tribute. Oh, I'm God. Like, no, I don't want that. And then no. also, I don't know. It's just not like content that I'm interested in making. I think maybe that'll change in the future. Who knows? Like things, 
my my opinion on this might change in the future but for now like I'm just not interested. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and OnlyFans is so much work anyways. You got to do stuff at least that you don't hate doing. So if you hate, if you don't right. sleep with a guy for OnlyFans, don't do it. Okay. It's not that I hate sleeping with men. It's not <laughs> that I don't enjoy having sex with men. I do. I love having sex with men. I think it's great. That being said, making content, making porn specifically mm-hmm. is really difficult. You have to like get specific angles. You have to like start and restart the camera and like, the angles that you're getting are not pleasurable, especially for penetrative sex with another person. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel very good. Like you're focusing on like what you're looking at. You're focusing on the noises you're making. Your back is arched. Your toes are pointed. Yeah. It's not a good time. No, it doesn't feel good. And like finding a guy that's going to be one comfortable with like people looking at him like that. And then also like, Oh, there's many girl. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Being able to, in that moment and then also like i'm a control freak um so i just feel like it would ruin their relationship with me like forever (laughs) whereas like when i make content with other sex workers like they know like they know exactly what we're doing they know how to position themselves they know like how to position me how to give me feedback like oh babe if you just like arch your back a little bit this turn this way do this like oh Mm -hmm. perfect that looks so good like great i just like i collaborate with women a lot better yeah, maybe I should take the focus off the men. It's not their fault. I collaborate with women. <laughs> it's a you problem. <laughs> You're, right. You're right. It is a me problem. Yeah. Maybe oh, I should. Maybe not. I mean, whatever. And that's a boundary that you have for now. And that's all good. True. So clients don't reach out. That was a long-winded answer to that. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> do, do you think being out as a lesbian ruins the fantasy for male clients? Probably <laughs> some of them. Um, like I said, like there's obviously the some of them that like, fetishize lesbians yeah and get to fulfill that fetish and that fantasy with somebody who's consenting for mm-hmm. them to do so. but do you think that they're maybe thinking like oh she doesn't actually want to have sex with me like yeah. oh she's not into yeah. it but like sorry john sometimes i just don't want to have sex with men <laughs> like like that right. like i think so for sure i think there's probably clients out there some of my regulars that are probably listening to this that are like yeah yeah me uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, yeah to that i say like it, would it be different if I was in a relationship with a man? Exactly. Like you're providing a service at the end of the day. It has nothing to do with what genitalia you prefer. (laughs) No, no. And uh, like I said, like I love human sexuality. I like having sex with humans. I like playing with people and like just exploring other people's fantasies and all of that. Like I just love all of it. So like all of it is fun. All of it is pleasurable. I'm having a good time. I enjoy myself. Yeah. Like you love your job. It sounds like. Yeah, like they see the people that come and see me and they see that, like they they know that and they understand that. I think part of it comes from like, you know, these clients who still think that they somehow have a chance. Yeah. And it's not gonna happen. They it don't. And you know, they have to kind of like work that out for themselves. That's the, that's a happen. them problem. Yes, that is a them problem. So do you think sex workers in general who post about being in a relationship online are ruining the fantasy for clients? Because like that's something I see on Twitter all the time. Like Girls don't want to post about their partner because it's going to alienate clients, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know? Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm realizing that, again, I'm in a place of privilege in the sense that, like, me sharing with the world that I am in a relationship with somebody that they can also have sex with that they're also attracted to yeah. doesn't affect my business. And I yeah. know quite a few other sex workers that are in long-term relationships, maybe even married with children, mm-hmm. that can't talk about even having children like they can't talk about having 
haven't given birth. They can't talk about getting married. They can't talk about being in a relationship with a man. Well, they think that they can't. They could. Yeah, they could. And I, I do think, though, that I, from what I've heard from other people is that um, some people's clients would stop seeing them. But that's also like some clients. And I think yeah. that like even for me, like in my you know cooking story, some of my drinking clients, all of them actually stopped seeing me. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I found other clients. It's fine. Like you will find people that vibe with you and that like you and don't really care about if you're in a relationship or not. Yeah. And I just think about all the clients who are in relationships. So why, you know, why do they have something to say about it when Wait, they're doing the same thing? A hundred percent. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like, again, for some people, they might, it it might hinder it enough that if they're like already not making a lot of money and mm-hmm. it's going to be detrimental. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree that not everyone has the privilege to be able but to at be the as open. Time, if you think that you want to do it and you don't think that it's going to make that big of a difference or you know, you hear somebody else doing it, or if you just need to hear somebody else doing it, do it. Yeah. Like, fuck it. I, when I was in a relationship, I didn't necessarily post about it that much online, but I didn't hide it either. And when guys would ask me in person, if I was dating someone, I'd be like, yeah, are you, was your wife think you're doing right now? Like, right. <laughs> like, great. I just don't care. I just think that sex workers in relationships should be normalized because at the end of the day, the people that have a problem with it probably don't think sex work is real work. And that's why they have an issue with it. Right. Yeah, that's true. How has business been affected by COVID this last year during the pandemic? Did you take time off when things first started? I did at the beginning. Yeah, COVID hit Calgary, like, I feel like it was like March, uh, Friday the 13th last year. That everything just like shit hit the fucking fan. Yeah. And I had to like cancel a bunch of stuff. I had like a, a party, like a orgy party book for my birthday. <laughs> no. With, like, my friends that we had to cancel. And like, that was terrible. Um Aww. Yeah, as soon as we like pulled the plug on that, I was just like, that's so sad. Yeah. So that was really stressful and scary. And then I also had like a little bit of a COVID scare right at the beginning. As some of you know, like my good friend, Aura Rose on Twitter, who she's a content creator, mm-hmm. not an in-person escort. So please don't message her for that. <laughs> um, but subscribe to her OnlyFans and tip her, please. Yes. She, me and her are very close and I was staying over at her house. She has a neighbor who at the time that was living there was really good friends with us and would come over and hang out and watch movies and stuff anyway the one night that she came over she came over and then the next day she was like i have a sore throat i'm feeling a little sick and then like the day after she was even more sick and she had like all of the symptoms of covid Ooh. and she also worked at sheldon schumer um what's and that she worked with- sheldon schumer's like oh sorry <laughs> sheldon schumer's like a hospital oh health- okay yeah, gotcha and she works with a more like vulnerable population she works with a lot of homeless people mm-hmm. so she was like fuck like I think I have COVID. So she like, you know, called into work and um, she doesn't work there anymore. If anybody's wondering if I'm just giving away this, like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, she called in to work and got the COVID test and everything. But at the time, everything was so crazy that like you couldn't get a COVID test right away. Like yeah. it would take a couple of days for them to even come to your house to do it. And at the time they were like literally coming to your house to, to take the test or for you to take the test. And, um, and it took seven days for her to get her results back. So I had to stay there. Like I couldn't go home because I had a roommate at home who also worked in healthcare that I didn't want to, you know, contaminate my house and fuck her over to. Um, so I stayed at Aura's um, for about a week and then she gets her results back and she had mono. Oh, uh, <laughs> no. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Which to be fair, there had been studies done 
later on that if you catch COVID when you have mono, it's just like not good. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so that was scary. But then that was that was right at the beginning, and I think that kind of instilled this like fear in me around not like myself getting COVID, but like me being like a healthy young person getting COVID and then like giving it to somebody else and not even knowing. And then that person like either dying or like giving it to somebody else yeah. and then, like, creates this chain reaction. It was like, I had a lot of like fear around that. Um, and then also my roommate, um, my best friend who's living with me at the time, uh, I was really worried about like me working, continuing to work and then like bringing something home and giving it to her. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So how long did you take off then? I took from March 13th to, <laughs> I think, I want to say July. But Holy then I, shit. I was also, I did see one or two regulars, um, like really good regulars of mine that I like knew exactly what they were doing and like knew that they were taking things seriously and stuff. I saw them in June and May, I think for about a month. I would like do an out call to their house and see them. Uh, people that I like really trusted and everything. So I like did that. And then in July or August, I think, I think July, I opened it up to my regulars um, for in or for in call. And then uh, August, I opened it up to new people. So were you renting a separate in call space this whole time and just not using it? Sorry. So there's that. Um, so yeah, I was renting a separate in call space with a friend of mine. Um, and then when COVID hit, about a month into it, I reached out to her. I, I wasn't on a lease or anything. Like I was paying her like month to month in cash. Um, and about a month into it, I just said like, you know what? Like I can't afford this. Like I'm not going to be able to like afford to continue keeping my in call. I not even been a month into it. It might've just been like a few weeks into it actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I got really scared and was just kind of like, yeah, I, I'm sorry. Like I'm going to have to give my month's notice. Um, and cancel in call, which was really sad because I loved it. Well, at least you weren't on a lease and didn't have to stay the whole time. Well, thank fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. So then I, I gave her a month's notice and then like cleared out my in call space and, you know, was just very scared at that point because I'm just like, well, fuck, like when it's time to go back to work, like what am I going to do? Like what am I going to have? Like I don't know. And then um, a couple months into lockdown, my roommate told me, like, hey, you know what? Like, I think I'm going to move. Like, mm. I think I'm, um, she was in a long-term relation or long distance relationship with her boyfriend. And she's just like, I don't want to be in Calgary right now. Like, this is like making me reevaluate everything. And I don't want to be in Calgary during this. I want to go be with him. Like this sucks. Um, yeah. so yeah, she wanted to move out and that was actually a blessing because, you know, now I work from home but is my my home space so that's nice and alone now or i guess you don't have to answer that that's sketchy <laughs> no i have a big scary man that lives yeah. in my closet that comes out with her a pimp. club her pimp lives in the closet <laughs> yeah. logan dog logan's like, <laughs> in a man. trench coat <laughs> <laughs> logan's in a trench coat <laughs> yeah so uh that was kind of a blessing in disguise because it, it it helped me downsize quite a bit i was i was spending a lot of money having that in-call space separate from my rental. Yeah. And then I don't drive. So I was like getting an Uber up to the Northeast Oof. up by the airport. And I live in the South. Oh my God. Uh, so it's like a half an hour drive every day back and forth, like going to bookings and spending all that money. And yeah, that's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was worth it at the time. Mm-hmm. It's like 
I wanted to keep things separate and I liked having like a, a separate workspace and I liked having, you know, coming home to my roommate and that being it. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that changed. And then it was good. It was a good downsize, I think, and really helped like bring my bills down quite a bit what I wanted. So when you stopped seeing people in person, I know you said you had the OnlyFans account beforehand, but that's when you really started to go hard on OnlyFans is when you stopped um, seeing people in person. Yeah, I like I had an OnlyFans account from October from the year before um, to try to help me get through slow periods of work. Because like um, anybody who does sex work knows that like there's certain times of the year that get really, really dead. And I hated that. Like that was really <laughs> scary for me. So yeah, I started my OnlyFans account to try to like alleviate that a little bit and it worked like I because I got my OnlyFans account in the fall and usually for me at least the fall is like really really slow Mm. Um, so OnlyFans was really helpful to like give me some extra income to help me get through those those months and then it started to like get really really good actually right away I feel like I was doing pretty well right away but uh, it's relative to depends on who you ask Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I felt like I was doing good right away and then December was really good January was really good it dropped off a little bit in February and then March hit and I literally just like went so balls to the wall hard on OnlyFans and like I was live streaming and promoting Ooh. my live streams on like Instagram live stream. So I would like do an Instagram live stream and then I would also do an OnlyFans live stream later. Jesus and, like, Christ. Yeah, I was like posting every I was posting on Reddit. I was posting on I, I was doing live streams on Periscope, which was <laughs> at the time to Twitter. So I was getting like random people from there. And was your hard work paying off? Was it worth it? Yes. Okay. At, well, for that time, yes, yes, it was worth it for sure. Um, I, it was survival mode, right? Like it was just like, I got to fucking like hustle hard. And it was such a different way of hustling too. Like it's so hard. Yeah. You had to be on your phone all day. You had to respond to people right away. You had to like keep everybody's, well, at least for me at the time, I felt like I had to, to be able to keep those clients coming and um, luckily for me, because I transitioned from in-person sex work to online sex work, and then was planning on transitioning back mm-hmm. a lot of my clients, uh, my online clients, I should say, have this fantasy of being able to meet me in person and they can. Whereas I see a lot of people doing online sex work and that's all that they're doing. Yeah. So you know, it's harder to like build these relationships with some of these clients because, you know, they're just like, well, fuck, like, you like what's the point in investing all this time and energy and you know obviously there's people that want to do that and that's what they want but I think that you know there there was quite a few people that were like getting into like retiring from in-person sex work forever and they were having a really difficult time like keeping those clients around because they're like well I'm never gonna see you again so what's the point yeah Um, it's yeah yeah. it's tough to keep them online for sure so do you like online sex work like how do you like it compared to in-person I loved it at first. I think like when I was growing up, I really loved video production and like posting YouTube videos mm-hmm. and making funny videos with my friends and like doing stuff like that. Like I love it. Like I wanted to be a YouTuber when I was a kid. Like that was <laughs> my goals for life, which is hilarious. So it was kind of like filling all of those little like creative things that I'd always wanted to try and it was working and it was like really validating in that way. And I was just talking about this with someone recently about like when you make content and then you post it, whether that be on Twitter or on OnlyFans, and you get like a really, really good positive feedback or like reaction, like everyone's liking it, everyone's sharing it, it's getting a lot of views, it's like getting a lot of retweets. And like, 
you know, everybody, all the comments are really positive and everything. Like you get high off of that. Like that is just like so validating. You're just like, oh yeah, <laughs> this is great. And you're just checking your phone, like seeing the likes go Getting up. Getting the dopamine like, rush every time. Oh, give me more. It's like so intense. Mm-hmm. Um, I was getting that little bit of like, <laughs> yeah, from doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that felt really good at the beginning. But then I realized very quickly how much work actually goes into it. And like, how unsustainable, like at least yeah. the way that I was doing it was, it was very unsustainable. Like what, how I was working kind of reminded me of like how I got started in, in person sex work at the beginning where I would just go to like five or six calls in a day and like, like all across the city and back to back. And I would work, I was working like a nine to five job and then I would work an escorting job at night. Like I was working so much, but I thought of sex work as like, well, it's fun. I like this. It's like enjoyable. So it's not work. Uh, yeah. And so I think when I started doing um, online work, I had that same like newbie mentality of like, well, I enjoy, I like making videos. I like talking to people on the internet. I love doing this. Mm-hmm. So it's not work. <laughs> but then my body just started like shutting down. Well, yeah, you can only go balls to the wall for so long, man. Like, oh man. Long. I pretty much went balls to the wall from like March until june i'm assuming you went so hard because you were it was the scarcity mindset too it's like okay i need to make as much money as i can now because who knows what's gonna happen right and then like one month i would do well and i would just be like wow i did so well last month i wasn't expected it's definitely not gonna happen this month i have to go harder this month yeah it's all gonna go away yeah and then it it didn't like i was fine (laughs) oh yeah no i feel the same thing totally I was, I was personally, I was doing okay. And like, yeah, like more than okay. Honestly, like I, I was doing really well at not like, eh, not crazy, but like I was, I was paying my bills. I was doing okay. I, I was surviving and, and thriving. Honestly, I was thriving. Good. So that was good. And then I really needed to like take a step back, but then I like, I started up in person work again and went kind of balls to the wall with that. Cause I was like, again, I had been away from that for so long and I love in person work. Like I love seeing clients one-on-one I just feel like there's something about like physical touch and like that type of intimacy that I I love seeing like people get that need met and and providing that for them so like that definitely I like in-person work more um Mm -hmm. than the online stuff for sure I I still enjoyed the online stuff but yeah I definitely like the in-person stuff more so when I went back to in-person work I was just like I I want to do this it was kind of like the same thing like oh my god and then I yeah I burnt I burned out really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, <laughs> all right. This seems like a pattern for you <laughs> with new things that you're excited about. Balls to the wall. <laughs> oh my god, that's so true. I mean, that is my addict brain. Probably. Yeah, no, I totally get. It. I totally relate. That's so funny. So, I, it sounds like OnlyFans was a lot more work than you thought it would be, <laughs> which yeah. I think is a lot of people's experience. People that I've talked to, like, if you want to make good money on OnlyFans, it's a full time job, and if you're just half assing it. I, I don't right. think anyone's making any money doing it that and way. And honestly, like I was at my peak, I was making probably like just over $2,000 a month on OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. And like the other money that I was making that was like making me thrive was my virtual services. Because I forgot to mention oh, that. Oh, yes. I did services as well with mostly with my regular clients who now weren't able to see me. Mm-hmm. They would book a video session with me. They would book like a pen pal package with me. Yeah. They would like, like all of that kind of stuff. Like was supplementing my income. And because it was diverse, um, I was actually being able to make a lot more money. My OnlyFans money was basically like making up for the fact that I wasn't collecting CERB. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it was 
just kind of that was it and that was that was like me going hard every day like hustling hard that's all I was making on OnlyFans and I was posting every day and doing live streams all that stuff so when people like think about OnlyFans and think that they're just gonna like make bank right away like you have to think like that was also coming from somebody who also had a bit of a following on Twitter Mm -hmm. not like a huge following but like a bit of a following at least and then also having regular clients um, already that we're transferring over to online all at the same time. Cause like all these clients are stuck at home and they can't do anything and they're not allowed to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, so what are, what else are they going to do? They're going to join me on live stream. <laughs> they're going to sit at home and jerk off all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like I had those benefits, um, and that privilege for sure. So I think that like when you're, I see a lot of people, not necessarily on Twitter, but like on Instagram and like TikTok and stuff, like bragging about, getting on OnlyFans and making all this money and like really, mm. really glorifying it. And then all of these like impressionable people who are struggling and they're fucking poor because the pandemic's just screwed everybody over are like, Oh my God, this is going to save me. And mm-hmm. then they put all their time and energy and effort into this thing that like, it is so awful to like put your sexuality out on the internet forever and get nothing. And, yeah. Relatively. Like, that sucks. Like it just, that's fucking terrible. And like, I'm, very sexually open person like I don't care about having my nudes on the internet but like mm-hmm. somebody that might have some reservations about it, but they're doing it out of necessity like yeah well unfortunately the reality is with OnlyFans that most people on there make under a thousand dollars a month like yeah. it's like any industry even like porn stars if you're just if you want to be a porn star only the top one percent are making good money everyone else is not making anything you know I think I was in the top four percent maybe even three percent that at my peak it was like close to maybe just over two thousand dollars a month and I was in the top three percent mm-hmm. yeah so and that- like you would think or, or <laughs> I would think at least that if someone's in that percentage they would be making more than that not that that's not good but right you know right. what I mean yeah even like when I somehow got to the top 1.2 percent I was making good money but I would think you would think that at that point you'd be making like 10 grand a month off that shit like or like 15 20 like uh, yeah like like you think top one percent you yeah i thought okay 20 grand but when i was in the top 1.2 percent i think that was like the highest I ever got i think i made like canadian maybe eight nine grand eight or nine grand which is amazing money but before starting only fans i thought someone in the top one percent was making way more than that right because you see all of these people on Instagram and Twitter and like TikTok talking about how they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month selling feet pics. And I'm like, uh, fuck. Well, and, and the thing with OnlyFans too is a lot of those people who are big on TikTok and other platforms that are getting other people to sign up, they're all getting the referral money from these people. Yes. So that's yes. like, it's OnlyFans is a glorified pyramid scheme if you've got a large following and you're getting people to sign up under your link. Because what do you get? Like 10 or 15%? off of if someone signs up using your referral link yeah you get 10 to 15 percent or something of their earnings for life so like people like the big youtubers like i don't know tana monjo mongoose whatever trisha paytas (laughs) those people are making bank also because of all the referrals that they're doing yeah 100 percent. they're like pimps just kidding but i don't know only fans (laughs) oh man so it sounds like you don't want to fully transition to online sex work yeah no you wouldn't do that you would want to continue in person if i could if i can continue in person for like a long time i would want to do in person for as long as possible for sure yes until those good looks fade i'm just kidding (laughs) i'll be i'll be doing in-person work like (laughs) into my old 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 senior Uh, hell yeah 
age, as long as I'm enjoying it, like as long as it's fun, I will continue doing it for so long. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. So it sounds like you've experienced a lot of burnout within the industry, which I think is normal. So what do you do when that happens? How do you combat burnout? Good question. Take a long break for sure. Like from everything. And like do nothing like <laughs> that. I mean, not do nothing, but like do the things that like feed your soul. Like if you think about like things that you do that, like you finish that task or you finish doing that one thing that you just like feel so fulfilled and like happy with, um, do those things, which is, can get confusing again, because if, if that part of that is from work, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's hard to balance it. Right. So like, I think for me, actually, you know what? I, okay. I'll go this direction. (laughs) When I burnt out, I didn't know how to handle it. I think that I thought I knew how to handle it. And I think that I sort of did the things that everybody sort of suggests that you do, like create boundaries with yourself. Like I got a second cell phone so that I had my work phone and my like personal phone mm-hmm. separate so that I would just like leave my work phone in the other room when I went to bed. So I like, just like didn't bring work to bed with me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would leave it at home if I like went out with friends. I mean, during the time I wasn't really going out. Yeah. But, like, if I went for a walk um, with Logan or something like that, um, I would just leave my work phone at home. And like really like separating my work personal life, especially like when you work from home, it's really difficult to do that. Mm-hmm. So I was like making the steps to try to do that and like really scheduling um, work time and personal time. I actually ended up switching my website over. So I, I made a new website that was like a little bit more complicated to make, but I have like a very, very specific contact form on there now. And so this was the other thing that was like really, really fucking with me was that I have two Twitter accounts, actually three Twitter accounts now, if you count Thrive. So I have three Twitter accounts. I have uh, an Instagram account. I have many vids, OnlyFans, my text, like my work number, and then my email, like three emails also, (laughs) and then my website contact form. That's like 10, I don't know. It's a lot of things to keep track of. of. Um, So people were messaging me from every single place asking for services. And I had to respond to everybody in a timely manner or else they would fuck off forever and I wasn't going to make money. And like, it was stressful. So then when you pair that with people that are wasting your time, people that aren't being respectful or people that aren't like, you know, respecting your boundaries, whatever, like that was driving me absolutely insane. So like the best thing that I did, and I know like not everybody is going to be able to do this, but even if you can like limit it down to just a couple ways that people can contact you. So it's not like from everywhere. Mm-hmm. I close my DMs on Twitter. So you can only DM me on Twitter if I'm also following you, mm-hmm. which helps because I like to keep my DMs open for sex workers. And I usually follow sex workers back. Um, if you're a sex worker, I'm not following you back. Just like comment on something and mm-hmm. let me know so I can. Um, anyway, so I, I always want to keep my DMs open for sex workers. So that was a priority. So I did that. And then I got a second phone so that I could separate my work and my personal life. And then I also took my phone number, like my work phone number off of all of my ads. Mm-hmm. I took it off of my website. I took it off of Twitter. So like the only people that have my work phone number are people that had it from before. Yep. And then and then I made this contact form on my website that basically has all of the appropriate information that I need for screening, all of the appropriate information that I need for making a booking. So it's like very, very specific of like, what time do you want to book? Like, what service are you looking for? Um, how old are you? What's your name? Like, where did you find me on what website? Blah, blah, blah. Like fill out this entire thing. And if they don't fill out the whole thing, 
they get a message back with a screenshot of whatever they miss and just like, hey, I need this. If you want to continue your booking with me, like you need to fill this out. And I like basically like I know it's going to kill fantasy for some people, but like I basically have like a copy paste script that is being sent for the first couple of messages just because it stresses me the fuck out having to deal with time wasters when I'm already stressed the fuck out and burnt out. Like it's just like too much. Once I started doing that, that I think was like really, really helpful because it just really helped to like solidify the, these are the ways to contact me and like this is the way that it works. And then also having specific hours in which I respond. And again, I know that not everybody's going to be able to do this. You feel like you're going to miss out. I get that. That's fine. I, I also wasn't seeing same day bookings, even for like virtual services. I stopped doing same day um, because I was getting people that were calling me drunk. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> like, phone sex conversation. So I was like, uh, you know what? I'm getting rid of same day. That's gone. So yeah. So like it has to be like 24 hours in advance. So that just really dwindled that down. Like how often I was checking my phone, how often I was like actually on my phone. And then when I logged into Twitter, I could just browse Twitter and interact with my friends. I didn't have to worry about like, oh fuck, I've got like nine DMs in here and I haven't responded to any of them, but I read all of them. And now they see that they're on red and <laughs> pressure on me. Like it's just like a lot. So it sounds like you just learned how to set professional boundaries yes. for yourself to make your life easier. And then after a few months of taking some time, some space, some breaks and all that, I ended up going back and seeing my psychologist, which was really helpful. Um, so I recommend really focusing on like mental health and just repairing that. Cause I think that like, for me, at least the pandemic, like really put me into that survival mode. And then once the initial threat was over. I was still in that survival mode and I couldn't break out of it. Mm. Um, so like getting professional help for me, getting professional help was helpful. Um, not, this doesn't have to be like a professional. It could be like supportive people. In Just like life. find connection with other people who support you. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Be able to work through that. Cause it's, it's hard. We've been through like a fucking global trauma. This is oh, yeah. And I find in, especially in this business, just because there's so much emotional labor that for myself, when I'm not doing well mentally, I'm not putting my best foot forward for clients, you know, right. so I need to take care of myself first so I can do this job properly. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. it's very important. What do you think about review board culture? Is it helpful or harmful? Hmm. Good question. Um, <laughs> I feel like there was a time in my life where I thought that I needed other people to be successful. So working with an agency, I felt like I needed the agency to book all my calls for me to feel safe and to even like get bookings. And then I think for a time I thought that my activity on review boards was, I mean, I wasn't on very many. I was on one. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought that like my activity on a review board was the only thing keeping me afloat. Mm. Once I actually took a step back and distanced myself from review boards, I realized that like, Oh, those people would have found me anyways. Like that yeah. didn't matter. Like it <laughs> actually didn't matter at all. It was more like word of mouth from other girls that I was getting these clients. And all the I review do, board guys are on Twitter or most of them. Most of them now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, once I found Twitter, honestly, like my biggest thing too with review boards was that I thought that I needed review boards to like get a review on myself so people would know who I was and then want to book me. But then I realized that like one, a lot of the reviews were bogus because like for yourself or for providers in general, for providers in general, just because like if you're 
okay, this is this is my issue with review boards is like, especially the ones that like I was on, mm-hmm. or the one that I was on was that you're as a sex worker, you're paying money to be on this review board or have access to this review board to be able to like advertise. So you're also advertising on it, kind of like Leo List or any of those other advertising websites you have to pay for. So you're paying to be an advertiser on the site. And then clients, from my understanding, were not paying to use the website. We're able to post reviews of providers and to look at ads. But like, if the providers are also paying to use the website, don't you think that the priority is going to go to those providers that are paying to use the website? So then therefore, these reviews that are going up are a little bit biased because it's like, who's paying for the website, the providers. So then it's kind of just like, are these reviews even true? Like, I don't know, because I've seen negative reviews on there as well. But I've also seen negative reviews get taken down. So that just to me seemed like a little bit of a conflict of interest. And then also like having it be a community space when money is being exchanged. In my experience, like working with agencies and even just like working with other providers, anytime there is a community space mixed with money being exchanged and people profiting off of the people in the community, that's when things start to get really like, or it can get, get a little bit damaging or like kind of, like it's just, it it can get intense a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was like my reasons for taking a step back from that. When I found Twitter, Twitter is a free platform. I know that like Twitter could get shut down at any time, but when I found Twitter and I could find like the community that I was looking for for free on Twitter, I was like, yeah, that's a no brainer. Like obviously. And then when I was getting clients from Twitter, I was like, okay, yeah, clearly like, no <laughs> I don't even use Leo list anymore. Like yeah. I literally like, I just use Twitter. I use Instagram. I get a lot of female clients from Instagram. Actually. Wow. I use Trist. Um, I do use Trist. I wasn't paying for Trist for the longest time. And then just recently I started paying not because I, think that I needed to, but more so that I wanted to support the website because I just think that Trist is doing a really great job and they just seem like a little bit more like sex work informed and like mm-hmm. I think it was like, created by sex workers in Australia. So yes. like I like that. Yes. Um so I like to put my money to support things that like I believe in. So yeah, that's kind of like my viewpoint on it. I do know that like when you're just starting out in the industry and you're trying to build your reputation that like reviews seem like the only way to do that. And for a lot of people, it's really beneficial and a lot of people get most of their clients from there. So I'm not, I'm not saying that like nobody should be on review boards at all. Like obviously they're beneficial. The same with agencies. Like obviously Mm -hmm. they have. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think there's good things and there's bad things and it just depends on your perspective. But I will say I've been on other boards and the one that you've been on as well. I think it is the most well run and does have the advertisers best interests at heart compared to like other boards where the men run the show right and which is also sketchy like yeah <laughs> like i just the shit that i've seen on other review boards yeah um i just i can't, probably can't even speak about it on here because i break a law right. because it's so disgusting honestly yeah so yeah. i've first or i've seen like the screenshots from oh. other review boards, like, on twitter and stuff and we're just like oh my god like, like there's a discussion on one of the other review boards about the street-based workers in Vancouver and there's a thread and it's like the most disgusting thing you will ever see in your life. So if you're bored, anyone go try and find that and have fun. Oh Lord. Anyways, (laughs) what do you know about yourself now that you didn't know before you got into the business? So what's something that you've learned about yourself or a part of you that you've discovered because of sex work? Oh, this is going to get really like kind of sad. 
my worthiness, I think. Oh. Yeah. My worthiness and like also just like my resilient like my ability to be so resilient and to be so like yeah, like just being able to get through anything, honestly. Like yeah. Believing in myself and and my pride for myself. And you yeah. know, doing it yourself, you're independent, strong woman. Yeah, it's really built my self-esteem for Aww. sure. I love that. That's awesome. So do you have any advice for somebody looking to get into escorting? Like one one big piece, one your best piece of advice. I feel like try to find community as fast as possible. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and that community, like I said, with an agency or or with a boyfriend or even like even another girl like that you're renting, like nobody should be taking money from you. If somebody is taking money from you and profiting off of your work, it's not a community. Like that's a work environment. Like get like, online on Twitter, you know, find other yeah. sex workers. Yeah. Find other sex workers. And, and and not to say that like you shouldn't be sending some money to people who are like mentoring you and stuff. Cause like obviously, like, yeah, like I do believe in like kind of the money exchange within sex workers that we kind of do every once in a while. But if somebody yeah. is like literally like taking a percentage off of the shit that you're making. Yeah run yeah yeah that's that's, that's a pimp <laughs> literally. Yeah. literally yeah literally it is yeah and and that's the other thing is that like i get so frustrated when i see like all of these like public facebook and instagram posts about like sex trafficking kind of portraying it in this way of like oh some random man found me off the street or i traveled and some random man like picked me up and took me and now i'm being sex trafficked mm. it's like no, like it could happen by your friends. It could happen by people that you trust. It could mm -hmm. happen with your your security. It could happen with your boyfriend. It could happen with your driver. It could happen with an agency that you're with. Like no one is safe. No, but like also, yeah, it, it's not always just like the, you know, strange man jumping out of the bushes to grab you. Yeah. Like, obviously, like, crazy stuff like that does happen. Um, I'm not taking away from that in any sense. Of the, but it's just not black but, and white. No. And I think that like survivors of sex trafficking would agree that like at some point in their experiences, they looked at what they were going through and thought, well, it can't be that bad because it's not this. Yeah. You know, like it's not this other thing that I'm seeing on TV or on the news. And so therefore this, this is probably fine. Mm -hmm. And then they just like deal with it way longer than they should. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that just goes back to like find community with other people mm -hmm. in the business to know what's normal and what's not. Yeah. Let's see. So you already kind of mentioned this, but how long do you see yourself doing sex work? <laughs> A long time. Yeah. Long time. Long time. I, I think even if I like retire, um, it'll probably just be like I'll retire from advertising. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll probably just continue to see my regulars. Yeah. But yeah, I, I expect to be in this for the long haul as long as as long as I'm enjoying myself and, and happy and having a good time and I'm able to like thrive in this industry. I think that like I'll continue doing it. Absolutely. I love yeah. that. So what is your dream job if money was no object? <laughs> I feel like I'm doing it. Yeah, I thought you might I say that. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing it. Honestly, like and if you were to take out like the word sex work out of it, like I get to travel whenever I want. Basically, I have like financial freedom. I have like really good community and friends and like networking. I have really good relationships with my, you know, people in my personal life, my family, my partner. I have a really good life work balance. I'm excited about work when I work and 
yeah, I, I, when I go on vacation, like I'm excited to come back to work. Like that's, that's, <laughs> my that's it. You're killing that's it. it. That's yeah. awesome. That's so cool. Okay. So now let's talk about Thrive. So what is Thrive? Why did you start it? So Thrive is a support group for sex workers by sex workers. Um, I started Thrive from some inspiration from people in the Calgary community who were doing workshops and and holding events for sex workers. There was one lady that was hosting like events for like learning about your finances. She did one for like self-defense class. We got like this like martial artist guy to come and teach us how to beat dudes up when you're laying down. It's pretty sick. And then there, there was this other uh, provider in the, well, sex worker in the community that was doing workshops on like BDSM type stuff. And like, that was really cool. Um, so I got to meet a bunch of really cool people doing these types of events and going attending them. And I, I went alone. Like I literally like, I would see them posted on Twitter and I'm just like, oh, I want to go. To that. Okay. I'll go. And I just like showed up alone and it was scary, but I got Aww. to meet friends and it was really nice. And, and then I saw some familiar faces that I had seen around in the community and that was really cool. But then, you know, like going through my recovery journey um, at the time, I was going to all of these support groups. I was going to all these support groups and I thought like it would be really nice to have this type of format but to be able to just talk about sex work, because that was really what I was missing. I think in my recovery was that like, I could only really talk about sex work in like certain situations and I had to be more careful and I couldn't be as candid. And I just thought like, Oh, it would be so cool to have like a sex work support group. Mm-hmm. And then I started reading Lola Davina's book, thriving in sex work, staying sane in the sex industry. And I was like, okay, like if somebody started a support group with this book, I would go to it. I would love <laughs> So I like put it out on Twitter and was like, does this exist? Like, is this a thing? Would anybody be interested in this if it was a thing? And like, I got so many responses of like other providers in the community that were like, uh, can you please start this? Like, this would be amazing. And then Lola herself, the author of the book commented on my post and was like, oh my God, I love that idea. Like, Like, this is so cool. Keep me updated if you do this. And like, I fangirled so fucking hard because I had not interacted with her at all, like up until that point. So I was like so excited. Um, so yeah, I went, I went through with it. And like coming from somebody who has like intense social anxiety and like just anxiety in general and is really scared of public speaking and like just really nervous about shit. Like I was like, I need this, so therefore I will create this. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. So I like started it at my in-call um when I had my in-call separate from my house uh and <laughs> well, people from the community would come and sit in my living room on my couches and drink tea and yeah and, and we started that 2019 fall of 2019 I think like November mm-hmm. and it we were doing in-person meetings like uh, twice a month up until COVID hit and then we had to move everything online and then once we moved everything online now we do it over Zoom mm-hmm. and uh now we have members in fucking Florida in wow. California Scotland, like Canada, like we've got people like from BC, Saskatchewan, um, Ontario, lots of people from Ontario. I gotta join. I'm gonna join. (laughs) Oh yeah. I don't know why I haven't. But (laughs) hey, this is misleading because the group is still very small. Obviously, like not everybody like shows up at the same time. Like people's schedules are very different. Mm -hmm. Um, so typically the groups can be anywhere from like I've had just one person show up to an online meeting, so then it's just me and them talking. Uh, for like an hour which is kind of nice and then you know it goes all the way up to like I think our max was maybe nine oh, it's still people. a lot though 
yeah, it's, it's, it's a decent number. Like it's a good number for a recovery or for a, a support group. Sorry. <laughs> not a recovery yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, It's a good number for a support group. But if anybody is like nervous that it's going to be like a shit ton of people, if you've been to like a big zoom meeting before and you're just like, I don't know if I want to do that. It's still quite small. And like, if that were to happen, I would probably split it up into like multiple meetings. So it's not like that many people. So it's, it's pretty good. Gotcha. And so what, what are some of the topics you discussed? Are you still going through Lola Davina's books? Yeah. Originally we started with her first book, um, the orange one. Mm -hmm. And we just went like, at at first I started it off with like doing a check-in with everybody. And then based on the check-in, how that went, I would pick a chapter at random. And we just kept doing that until we like did all of the chapters for the first book. And then she came out with her second book, mm-hmm. um, which it focuses on money Love and that. money commitment and and even just like mental health around money, which is so cool. Like the first half of the book is just all about like mental health around money, which is amazing. And not something that a lot of people think about, but yeah. should. So for that book, I started just doing it in like chronological order, like chapter by chapter. Um, so we're about just over halfway through it now. And uh, once we finish it, I'd, I'm not really sure what the plan is. After that, I'll probably have like a little meeting with everybody. And yeah, <laughs> figure out what there's lots do. of books on sex work. Right. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like it would be nice to like go back and like do the first book again. Yeah. Like, I also like a good friend of mine, actually the member of Thrive who lives in Scotland. He started a Thrive meeting for Fridays. He's, he's not doing it right now. He um, had some health issues, so uh, he hasn't been able to do it right now but it will be starting back up again hopefully soon and so he actually started his own thrive meeting locally for himself and um people in the uk and obviously like everyone was welcome to go to it because it was online as well but it's just so cool to see people in other communities being like oh my god like i need this i want to do this and then he started a meeting that was uh, more meditation based but also for sex workers on mondays and again, it's not up and running right now just because he's having some health issues, but mm-hmm. it will be soon. And and that is the Sex Work Love Hub on Twitter. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, there are like little sister cool. <laughs> group. Yeah. So why should other sex workers join Thrive? I think just like even just listening to my story about times that I was isolated mm-hmm. in my life um, and really struggling, if anybody resonates with that in any way, that is like the number one reason just like being isolated and not being able to be open and, and talk about things that are going on in work. And and then also like, it's, it's really cool to get a group of providers or um, even like online sex workers. Like during COVID, I like opened it up. It used to just be like basically full service in-person work members that were coming in. And then now it's like opened up to online work and and phone sex operators and and dominatrixes and strippers and like everybody like anyone who's a sex worker if you make money off of being a sexy human like you are welcome to join the group yeah like collaborating with all these different people in all different facets of sex work but then also like having so many similarities like yeah that has just been so conducive to like i think even just me being successful in my business now like i think that it's like given me so many tools to build on my business and like be as successful as I am right now in the middle of a fucking pandemic, which is like, I'm so grateful for that. Cool. That's awesome. So everybody find her on Twitter, find Thrive (laughs) on Twitter. I should mention that the Thrive Twitter page is privated. I do sort of like do a little bit of a screening process myself for everybody that tries to follow you do have to be like a established sex worker on Twitter for me to like just accept your request. If you're not, um, feel free to like DM my other Twitter accounts and just let me know. And then I can just do like a little bit of screening with you separately or email. Um, I'll 
give Ashlyn all the information mm-hmm. for the email address. I think it's just like, oh, I can't remember if I was talking about that. I'll, yes, I'll give it to figure, you. Yeah, give it yeah. to me later. Yeah, yeah, you can email me as well to just like do some quick screening. And like the group is open to anybody currently doing sex work and then also anybody who's retired from sex work. Because I know that once you're retired from sex work, you feel very disconnected from the community that like, once was such a huge part of your life and even like transitioning into retirement can be difficult. So like you you were welcome, completely welcome as well. That's awesome. That sounds really cool. And all genders also I should mention. And it's free. There's no entry fee. And I'm not going to take your money, I promise. (laughs) And she's not going to pimp you or anything. No. (laughs) Not like those people in rehab thought. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to be supportive. (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, so on that note, plug yourself, Lula. Where can everybody find your content? What's your OnlyFans, your many vids, your Twitter? And I will also get all that information, put it in the description of the podcast. But plug yourself. (laughs) My more personal Twitter account is uh, LulaBlueTheBabe on twitter um that's where i post all my pictures of logan dog logan mm-hmm. and me just chilling in my life and um i post everything about thrive on there um, mostly and then my escorting twitter account is your lula my website is my girlfriend and uh i think it my instagram is also lula blue the babe uh on instagram only fans also lula blue the babe uh, I try to keep my OnlyFans separate from my escort account so it doesn't get shut down. Mm. Uh, and many vids is the same, Lula Blue, the babe. All right. That's awesome. Do you have anything else to say? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I love everyone. Aww. Be nice to each other. And um, any sex workers, my DMs are always open for you to talk to me on Twitter uh, at any time. I love talking to other sex workers. And if you. Uh, if I'm not following you, please just like comment on something and just be like, hey, I want to DM you, but you're not following me. And, and I will. And, I'll fix it and we can talk. Oh, this is so awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate so it. Much for on. I, I literally like just binge watched your entire podcast series uh, and I ran out of episodes. So uh, like literally you messaged me this morning and I was like, I just want to listen. <laughs> I feel like awesome. to know everything about you. It's so funny. All right. So that concludes the interview with Lula. I hope everybody enjoyed it. It was an absolute pleasure to have Lula on the podcast. Super interesting person. I'm a big fan and I hope everyone will also be a big fan now. All of Lula's information, like I previously said, will be down below. All of my information will be down below if you want to get in contact with me. And if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure to give me five stars on Apple Podcasts. I'd really appreciate it. And if you write me a review and send me a screenshot, I will send you a free month to my paid OnlyFans. So that's a great deal. And anything helps. Make sure to share the podcast with your friends, your family, your church, whatever. Please tell everybody about it. Trying to get this out to as many people as possible since I keep getting denied for my billboards. Anyways, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of No Life Skills. Follow Ashlyn on social media at No Life Skill or at Adore Ashlyn. Be sure to like, comment, and hit that subscribe button. We'll see you on the next show.